Hey, good morning, church. Good morning. For those of you who are joining us online, we are so excited that you're doing so. We pray that you're having a great day today. Uh, hopefully, you're being caught up in worship. You can turn your TV up and grab your Bible and get ready to uh, take some notes and dive in. We're a packed house here, uh, and so we're super excited. How are you guys feeling today? Are we ready? Yeah, there seems to be some energy, which is good. I was sick last week, so I appreciate your, your prayers. It wasn't very fun. Uh, we went to California. There's our problem. Uh, and came back with a little throat digestive thing. Uh, Sandy and I just went and got tested for COVID just to make sure, and we're both negative, so it just is kind of a floating bug that's going around. Yeah, thank God for that. Uh, and again, uh, as Tanner said last week, just a quick reminder, if at any time you're not feeling well, uh, we love you, but just stay home. Uh, you can come back when you feel good. That's why we did it last week. And then if you're feeling good, but you are still got some symptoms, you may see Sandy running around with a mask. Just throw a mask on. It's not a big deal. Uh, we should probably do that anyway during the flu season for all the bugs we have. Uh, and so just be wise about that. We're going to navigate uh, the Delta virus and everything else as a staff and, a, and as an elder leadership. And so we, we're just asking that you be wise and, and help us with that, right? Does that make sense, everybody? Uh, I think we can be mature about that and, uh, and navigate things. What we're not going to do is shut the church down again. Um, and so we will thank you. Yeah, we're going to keep meeting. Uh, no matter what happens, we'll figure it out, uh, whether it's just online or here, whatever. We're going to keep uh, moving forward. So uh, Mark did an amazing job last week. Can we give him a round of applause? Uh, amazing, amazing, amazing job. Alex has done an amazing job uh, preaching in this series. You can clap for Alex, too. He's going to get his feelings hurt. Um, and then we've just got so many different people leading worship every single uh, Sunday. Who knew that Ethan could sing, uh, that he's amazing? He isn't, yeah, woo! He's, he's not just a kite we have to tie down so he doesn't blow away in the wind. Uh, but no, we're, su love you, brother. Uh, so yeah, we just got such amazing talent at this church. God has blessed us with people that use their gifts and skills. We have tech team, people running cameras. You wouldn't believe all the problems that go on on a given Sunday behind the scenes. And so many people during the week and the morning of just pouring into this church. Uh, pouring, pouring, pouring into this church, whether it's the air conditioning unit, John taking care of that, uh, whether it's killing mice that are around here, or should I, sorry if you're a lover of animals disposing of mice, uh, uh, but there's so many things that go on on a regular basis and it's because people serve. They give and they give and they give. And so if you're new around here, get to work. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if you're new around here, there's just so much going on, so many different places to get involved in the life of this church. It's really exciting. So uh, last week, Mark talked that he was wrapping up the, the series, The Word of God, and it's exactly right. We're not going to hit a new aspect of the Word of God this morning, but what I want to do is tie a bow around it. I started out seven weeks ago to the day, and I told you my goal is to expose the Bible so intimately and so raw that you'd fall in love and want to read it more. And nothing has changed. That's my heart's desire for you. Let's recap. This is the only book that's alive. It's the only book that can give true hope. Not just an encouraging word, not, not just a little bit of, of positiveness, but it's the only book that can change your life. 
It's the only book that's active doing something on behalf of its author. No other book does that. Uh, an author will write a book, give it to the publisher, and there it lies. The Bible is not that. The Bible is active. It, it's working in your life. It's shaping your marriage. It's, it's shaping your worldviews. And it does it with or without you. Why? Because it's the word of God. And it's applicable to every single aspect that we have in our lives. Here's the reality. Life gets busy. Life gets really hard. Uh, life gets sad sometimes. Uh, this, this week we had another suicide. Uh, my fifth teenage suicide since COVID started. And I gotta tell you, I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm tired of the enemy. I'm tired of divorces. I'm, I'm tired of addictions. I'm tired of, of horrible diagnoses. And if I'm not careful, I can fall into a deep trap of despair, of looking at our world and going, what in the world? In fact, I looked last night, I, I was just filtering through all the different news networks on my phone and just going through and I just said to myself, what in the world? What in the world? Where's the good? Where's the hope? Where's the positiveness? And then God just so gently, as, as our Father does, he just gently reminded me, it's here. There's your hope. There's your encouragement. There's your truth. And if you sway away from this, if, if you start to get away from what the word of God says, then you're left to just receive what the world offers. And boy, that's depressing. It, it, it just is not a life giver. It's a life sucker. And so this morning, what we want to do is, is dive into how do we, in an everyday sense, how do we stay close to our God? How do we stay close to the words that we read? How do we remain, as the Bible says, in, in abiding with him as he abides in us? How do we do that? And as I thought about it this week, I, I thought about so many different directions that we, we could go. And, and Alex and I are super excited to use some new technology as we move forward with showing you th some things live on the screen, but also for those of you who are joining in at home. But I thought today isn't the day for that. Today is to get really, really practical. And what I want to share is essentially what I have learned over the last almost 26 years, what, what I've applied to my life. For some of you, it's going to be review. And it ought to be review if you're a growing follower of Jesus. For some of you, it's going to be convicting uh, because you're not doing this. And for others of you, it's going to be brand new. If you're new to the Bible and new to Jesus and new to church, you're going to go, wow, I didn't even know that I ought to be doing that. And it's going to be eye-opening. Here's what I don't want it to be because this is the enemy's tactic. The enemy's tactic is to make you feel guilty. And Jesus doesn't do guilt ever. If you're ever feeling guilt in your life, that's the voice of the enemy. Conviction is certainly of Jesus, but guilt is not. And so I just want to have fun with this. I want us to dive in, and I'm going to ask you to think very, very honestly, to, to do some introspective measurement of your life, and if there's an area where you're like, ooh, that's a good one, I, I need to tighten that up, then do just that. Allow God to bring those things to mind. We're gonna hit five points. They're gonna be very basic, but very profound. And I'm gonna give you a promise. I give you my word 
that if you put these five things into practice on a regular basis over the next year, your walk with Jesus and your life will be different than it is today. I promise you. I guarantee it. Not because I can guarantee it, but the word of God guarantees it. Are we good? So open up your Bibles and, and let's get ready to, to, to jump into some things. Um, staying focused on, um, on God's word. Uh, we read something, we go, ooh, that's really good. We highlight it for those of us who highlight and mark up our Bibles and then we forget it. So staying focused on that is extremely important, but it's not easy because in a world that's constantly changing, and that, that's ours in the 21st century, we're constantly changing. In fact, if your cell phone is more than 12 months old, throw it away and get a new one. That's, that's what we're taught, right? It's like the iPhone 13 and 14 and 15 and 12 and eight and all, all these different things and the pixels are a little bit better and the speaker's a little bit better and this one's got uh, retina recognition and like all these different things. So everything's changing. We forget some of the things that we should stay focused on. It's interesting, uh, if, you, if you get around any seasoned vets, that's a... That's a a clue in police word world for old people. Uh, if, if you're a seasoned vet, uh, and you can decide if that's you, I'm not pointing fingers, uh, but maybe you've heard this, oh, back in the good days, back in the good old days, back in my time. Have any of you ever heard that? Yes. How many of you have said that? Yeah, yeah, lots of you. Back in my day, you've heard your grandparents say it, you heard your great-great-grandparents. At some point, someone's lying because it wasn't always good, Right? But what's interesting is we say that back in my time, things weren't so busy, things weren't so hectic, things, we weren't so scatterbrained. Uh, I would beg to differ. If you do a little bit of search on history, you will find, as Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. Look at what we, a uh, continued study will show. In 1925, F. Scott Fitzgerald penned The Great Gatsby. Here's what it says in The Great Gatsby. There are only the pursued, the pursuing, the busy, and the tired does that sound like today? Yeah, facts. Preach it. Uh, does that sound like today? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. There's the busy and the tired. How many of you are moms? Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, fine. Some of you dads said it too. Uh, we're busy and we're tired. Even in the 20s, people were overworked and tired. It was just different. It was a different source of distraction and tired and busy. But nothing has changed. We, we see that in the disciples who, who are tired when Jesus says, please stay awake and pray with me. And what do they do? Yeah, they go to sleep. Why? Be, yeah, it's not rocket science. They're tired. Okay? Fall asleep, that means you're tired. Nothing has changed. And still, I'm fairly convinced that the days that we are living in have more distractions than we've ever had before. That's what sets us uniquely apart. We have so many distractions. Now, a lot of those distractions are good, but a lot of those distractions can cause our eyes to drop. So how do we stay focused on, on God's word and the daily grind with so many different things that are begging for our attention? When, when we're raising kids and doing dishes and going to the grocery store and we're on our phones and we're surfing the internet and we're going to movies, like how do we, as followers of Jesus, stay focused on what is primarily 
important? How do we stay grounded? How do we remain as he remains in us? So we're gonna look at five points, uh, strategies, if you would. And I'm gonna ask you to take notes. If you're a note taker, you can take it in your phone. You can write it down. You can somehow memorize it. You can take pictures of the, of the slides that are gonna show up on screen. If you're at home, you could pause it uh, and come back to it. But we're gonna look and highlight some verses and ask you to take some personal inventory. So number one, in order to stay close with God, in, in order to remain in with him, number one, begin every day with God. Begin every single day with God. Now, I know this might sound simple enough. In fact, if you listen to any preacher, any book on Christian faith, or any podcast, this will be a number one point, and that's for good reason. Because if you and I are going to stay focused on God and his scriptures, we've got to include him in our everyday life first. Not we'll get to it, maybe, but very first thing. Please don't raise your hands, but how many of you grab your phones the first thing when you wake up? Yeah, I said don't raise your hand. But nevertheless, awesome. Thank you for being honest, Hunter. Uh, listen, you, you've probably heard this. If the Bible says something twice, you should probably pay attention to it. Have you heard that statement? What about if it's 10 times in one verse? Is that good? Should we pay attention to that? 10 times in one teaching, that's how many times the word abide and remain are used in John chapter 15, if you have your Bibles. John chapter 15, verses one through 11, Jesus said, abide in me. He repeated that in two other ways throughout five through seven while providing a stark warning and a vast promise. There's two, both in one. Uh, an incredible promise and a warning. That's a good teacher. Here's what he says. Yes, I am the vine, you are the, yeah, you're the branches, sorry, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't be a good parent. You can't be a loving husband. You, you can't take care of your finances correctly. You can't remain pure. You can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me, here's the warning, is thrown away like a useless branch and it withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, this is one of those if-then statements all throughout the scriptures, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. Now, do not get caught up in this. This is not God the genie in a bottle. But this is you can ask anything because it's in my will. Your heart is aligned with my heart. You ever have this where maybe you see someone who's hurting and, and maybe you've done this before and you pray like, God, should I help that person who's hurting? You shouldn't have to pray about that. Just help them. You already know God's heart. If you've remained in him and he's remained in you, you already know several aspects of God's character, so apply it. You don't have to ask him for help. It's like if you see someone stranded on the road. Almost every time I'll, I'll pull over to see if they need help. We just do. We help people. We're Christians. That's, that's what we do. And so Jesus gives this incredible promise that if you remain in him, he'll remain with you. So staying focused on God is important. 
Now, I know your mornings are rushed. I know so many of you are very, very important. You've got a lot going on. Busyness is unique for you. No one else is as busy as you. No one else has the pressures like you do. You are top dog in the world of, I gotta get at it. Not so much. Most things can wait. Most things can wait. If you create a discipline to spend the first few minutes of your day reading God's word and talking to him about your day ahead, you'll have a greater focus on him throughout your day. I'm gonna give you an example. How many of you have, have or have heard of uh, the YouVersion Bible? It's, it's the number one Bible app on, on uh, app stores. What I do, what I've been doing for a long time is I have the Bible app on my phone and if you open up the Bible app, the very first thing uh, used to be uh, the verse of the day. You guys know that? Okay, now they've started doing where they put a video and someone almost does, they grab, you know, N.T. Wright and all different kinds of scholars and teachers and pastors and they do kind of a mini devotional. It's about, I don't know, a minute or two long. And so I watch that verse of the day and as it's unpacked. And then if you click on prayer, uh, it will take you through uh, kind of a, a, a self-sped uh, devotional on praying. And I do those two things and I'm done. Takes me roughly five minutes, maybe 10 if I, my ADD kicks in. But I do that and that starts my day. And then I pull up ESPN and, and all the other things and see how the Broncos are doing in training camp, et cetera. I do those things, those come. But I start with what's going on in my day. I just name those things before God and I do the verse of the day. It's not rocket science but I begin with him. Why is this important? This is important because God so desperately wants to be a part of your day. He wants to be in every aspect, at every conversation. So if you know you've got several things lined up, just list those before God. God, I've got this, 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 and this. Please be in those things. If that's all you do, that will shape your life. If you don't know where to start, start in John 15. Just read John 15 over and over and over if you're new to the Bible. If, uh, if you're new to just reading scripture in general, the book of Matthew is a great opportunity to just jump right in and start reading that. It tells you all about Jesus. It tells you all the exciting things, the sad things, the heroic things, the crazy things, everything in the life of Jesus. Read the book of Matthew. Super easy. And if you're brand new to the scriptures or church at all, start really small. Read a couple of verses. Read a story. But begin your day with God. That's number one. Number two, remain in prayer. Prayer is so ignored by Christ's followers. We, we mentioned the disciples falling asleep. It started then and even prior to that. We just get tired with praying. We leave it to the, to the end. Maybe we wrap up our day with it. I would encourage you, you ought to be praying all day long. You ought to be in, in conversation with your Lord all day long about everything. Thanking him. 
I, I, what I do is, is very rarely do I have this long period of prayer. I have probably a thousand little prayers all day long. Mostly saying, my bad. <laughs> my bad. Or, uh, gotta do that better. Sorry, Lord. But, but oftentimes, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Don't leave that for Thanksgiving. Boy, that's jipping your relationship with God. Remain in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 makes one simple and yet bold command. Pray without ceasing. Just keep praying. And, And this is a habit that's not as difficult as you may think. It's a decision, though, that, that you're going to actually do this. Plus, prayer has a way of changing lives. It has a way of changing our perspective. You want to pray a lot? Watch the news a lot. I mean it. I'm dead serious on that. You watch the news, you have two options. You can either get infuriated or you can pray. One does nothing. All it does is ruin your day or ruin your moment, if you would. The other one can change you because you're bringing God into that struggle. You're bringing God into the pain. You're bringing God into your cultural worldview, and you're talking to him about it. When you come across someone who annoys you, have you had that this week? Anyone, raise your hand. Raise your hand if someone has annoyed you this week. Be honest. Thank you. We're not alone. How many of you are sitting by that person? I'm just kidding. Don't, 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 don't answer that. When someone annoys you, when someone tries your patience, silently pray. Just pray. If it's me who annoys you, then tell me, and I'll say I'm sorry. But if it's someone else and it's not quite the right situation, pray. Include God in that struggle. A lot of you are teachers. God bless our teachers. Yes, yes, yes. Love you, teachers. A lot of you teachers are about to go back to school. You are gonna have moments where you can pray a lot. Some of you are, 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 are parents and you're about to send your kids back to school. You have an opportunity to pray a lot. One of my habits that I developed even before I was a police officer is every time I heard a siren, I prayed. Some of you do that. Every single time, I prayed for the first responders and I prayed for those who are injured, whether it's uh, a a crime scene or I've fallen and I can't get up. I, I pray for whatever the situation is. Whatever you can do to remind you to pray is good. Whatever it might be. Every time you look at the mountain. Every time you get in the car, every time you wash dishes, whatever it is that triggers you to pray, implement that, but remain in prayer. Keep in mind, God doesn't want these long, eloquent prayers. That's great if you wanna do that. He'd rather have raw and real. And very often, it it looks like this. God, help. I don't know what else to say. God help. And maybe it's a situation you are in. Maybe it's a situation a loved one or a friend is in. God help. 
that could be the most powerful prayer you pray all week long. God help. And maybe you have to repeat it over and over and over, but, but here is where God's word can help you. The Psalms are filled with examples of prayer. Grab one of those and pray it back to God. If you're looking for someone who uh, understands you, if you're looking for you know, a friend, then go to the Psalms. The Psalms often will express what you're feeling and they'll help put it into words. And what's great about that is God already knows it. It's a guide for you. And this will help you remain close to God and his word throughout this entire year. Number three, limit distractions. Limit your distractions. Sadly, there are studies now showing instead of learning from the virus when life kind of slowed down and we found out what was really important, sadly, there are now studies showing we're going right back to normal. We're filling up that calendar. We're buying things. We're focused on things we shouldn't be. We're going back to bad patterns and we're slipping right back into those distractions. We just didn't learn our lesson. And that's not the world, quote unquote. That's us too. That's those of us who are following Jesus that are trying to, to be devoted followers of him. We're in that same boat. I'm in that same boat. And maybe you are too. And again, don't let the enemy guilt you, but do let the, the God of all creation convict you here. Limit your distractions. And I've learned this is one of the most important steps in my life. Because if I'm distracted, I can't be the man that Sandy deserves. I can't be the dad that my dear kids deserve. If you're a student, you can't stay focused on what you ought to be focused on. If you're a young adult, uh, whether you're in college or just out of college and you're trying to figure out your life and trying to figure out careers and, and family and should I date this guy and should I get married and should I not, like if you aren't focused on what God's desires are and the distractions own you, you're gonna live a life of confusion. And that's for every single one of us in this room. And you already know why we have to keep a clear space open between us and God. Why is that so important? Because you can't keep your eyes on what you can't see physically or spiritually. Can't do that. It's like if you go to, well, it's probably been a while since you've been around thousands and thousands of people, but hearken back to when you did. Uh, a, a football game, a, a carnival, a, an amusement park. There's a reason why leashes were invented for children. We did leashes. Any of you are a leash kid or did leashes? Yeah, I still want to. Uh, Sandy probably wants to put one around me sometimes because if you lose sight of someone, you're like, where'd they go now? And those little ones are like down here so they can just morph into different places. Watch Alex's kids on a Sunday. They can just like all of a sudden they're over there and then they're over here. They're just little. If you lose sight, you lose them a little bit. It's the same thing with God. It, turn with me to Joshua chapter three. 
John, this is in the Old Testament, if you're new to the Bible, the first part of the Bible, Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. And the people of Israel are commanded, here's their command, ready? Keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark of the Covenant. I've tried that with my kids. You are not to be any further from 12,000 cubits from me. Try that with your kids, see how that goes. See what the look they, uh, what the look they give you. That's about a half a mile. Half a mile, 2,000 cubits. And the purpose was so that the people of Israel would always be able to see the Ark of the Covenant in all different types of terrain that they were traveling. The command was given to keep a distance so that you could always keep your eyes on what was in those times God, God's presence. Why? Because if you lose sight of God and his presence, if you lose sight of the truths that are found in this book, you're in deep trouble. You can get lost. You can wander away. We sing the song, prone to wander. That's us. It's not because we're evil. It's not because we want to wander away. We just do. And so in Joshua, this command is given to protect the people. Make sure you're keeping an eye on God. In our spiritual lives, when we fill spaces with all kinds of conveniences and distractions, even good things, it becomes difficult and at times impossible to keep our eyes on the Lord. I've had some people, again, I'm not, I'm not con condemning anyone, but I've had some people say, well, I, my prayer time is always in the car when I'm going to work. That's my time to pray. And I say, well, that's great. That's a good supplemental prayer. But when do you give time undistracted time? Well, I pray when I'm at the gym. That way I can kill two birds with one stone. God doesn't want to be joined with something else. He doesn't want the only time with you to be on a treadmill. That's great. But what else? That'd be like me saying, hey, Sandy, I want to spend some time with you. I got to set things up at church, so we're going to kill two birds with one stone. We're going to have date night while I'm setting up chairs. How do you think that's going to go over well? Sand? She's nodding no. How do you think the Lord feels when you combine your precious time because you're so important with him? And then we wonder why. Why do I feel dry? Why do I feel empty? Why am I feeling anxious? Why, why, why? Fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. Why? Because your distractions are owning you. They're winning. And you and I were not meant to live that way. Imagine if you received this invite. Look on the screen here. Hopefully, you can see it online if, if, you're, if you're watching us. It says, I'm inviting friends over to stare at their phones, and you're invited. Don't miss it. It's going to be electrifying. Like, you can't do this at home. You can only do it at my house. How many of us would go to that? And yet, there's where we're at with culture. You see husbands and wives 
wondering, why don't we have a great sex life? Why, why don't we uh, have the fun we used to have? Why, 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 why? Well, get rid of your stupid phones. Interact with each other. Laugh together, work together. Enjoy evenings together. If you need to, lock up your phone in a, in a different room. And maybe it's not the phone. Maybe it's your iPad. Maybe it's the TV. Whatever it is, get rid of it. I would say if it's your kids, but you can't get rid of them. I know. I better stop. We have to make a conscious decision to make Jesus number one in our life. And the scriptures make it so clear that Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, I have to be number one. If not, I will throw you into the pile of heaping branches and you will burn. That's the truth of the scriptures. That's super convicting. Number four, serve God. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus teaches, no one can serve two masters. It's not possible. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Don't worry, this is not a money talk. You've probably heard that verse before, and maybe you've also heard the term mammon in place of money at the end of that verse. And though mammon was a word that was primarily representing money and possessions, it was also used to refer to any lust and desires of any type. So some will read this verse and go, whew, I don't have a love for money because I don't have any. So thankfully, I'm not in that category. Okay, it doesn't mean money that's in your pocket. Let's, let's broaden our horizons here. Let's read it this way. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to, devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and any other desire. Now, how does that sit? If you have a desire of anything above God, you've got work to do. That means every single one of us in this room. And for all of you who are watching online, we've got work to do. Why? Because often God isn't the most important thing in our life. Let's just be honest about it. Let's, let's just all get on the same page. Sometimes he is. At moments he is. But we get distracted. We get caught up in life. And this is the, the, the effort that God calls us to put into Power, success, identity, appearance, sex, you name it. And the message was and still is you cannot serve those things and God at the same time. It's just not possible. I've tried. I went through years living a double life. Living one way at church and living another way on my own time. It's not possible. At best, you can keep up the charade for years, but eventually, who you are and who you serve will come out. And so we have to look at that. That's the bad news, but there's hope, amen? 
<laughs> so that's the bad news. Can't do both. But there, there's a little bit of hope here. If you're serving God with your resources, your time, your mind, your talents, your resources, your money, your schedule, if you're constantly bringing that before God, then staying focused on God is naturally going to follow you. It, it just will. Because if you're focused on God and saying everything, all of me and all that I have is yours, I'm gonna follow you with all of that, then staying focused on God is going to follow that. That means you'll view work differently. That means you'll view your marriage differently. That means you'll, you'll view raising your kids differently. That means you'll view college differently and choosing a career differently and, and possibly dating differently. It will change the way you look at life for the better. Because if you align your heart's desire with his, that's the best place you could find yourself. There's no better place. Finally, running late, we're gonna, we're gonna scoot here quick. Remove sin from our lives. Remove sin from our lives. This could have been the first point on the list because it's the root of all things that will distance us from God and his word. And what I mean by this is to remove the, the habitual, continuous, sinful habits and patterns from your life. You know what those things are. We all have them. Let's not be pious here. We all have those things. What I'm also not talking about is what we learned uh, over the last six weeks in Psalm 19, that there are hidden sins God's dealing with those. The Bible says God is dealing with your hidden sins. That's how good he is. In other words, you have garbage in your heart that you're not aware of and you can't get to, and God's working on that. What this is talking about is the things you are aware of. Root that sin out. Weed that sin out, and if you have to weed it out by the hour, then weed it out. If you have to weed it out every day, every day, then weed it out. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, since we, since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that what? Distracts us. Sin is a liar. It might feel good, it might taste good, it might be experientially good, it's a liar. It will distract you, it will rob you of life. It will promise something and then walk away from you. That's what sin does. Every day, every minute, sin is a liar. And if there is something, someone, someplace, some thought, some mindset, some attitude, some action, or anything that leads your life away from God in any way, or that keeps you out of prayer, or in study of his word, or from fellowship of believers, you have one option. Deal with it. One option. 
with the help of the Holy Spirit, begin to remove that thing from your life. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not later on today, right now. Draw a line in the sand that says, I'm going to begin the process however long it takes for however difficult as it may be, I am going to begin the process of removing that sin by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Remove the sin. Staying focused on God or growing in your spiritual prayer life and your time in the word is so critical. Kill the sin or it will kill you. Kill the sin or it will kill your marriage. Kill the sin or it will ruin the future that God has waiting for you. And know it's never too late. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Deal with your sin once and for all. And these five steps, these five practices, these five challenges are either yours to be had or yours to be ignored to remain close to God and and close to his word heading into this fall. So here's, here's all five. You can take a picture if you'd like. Begin every day with God. You can start tomorrow. Heck, you can start right now. God is, God loves reboots. He loves the restart button. Start every day with God. Remain in prayer. Limit your distractions. Serve God with everything in you and remove sin from your life. Here's the hard reality. This isn't for everyone. What I mean by that is some will look at this list and go, nah, it's too much work. Nah, I got other things going on. Nah, I'm busy. Nah, I don't really care that much. Friends, listen, discipleship is very costly. To be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your opinions. It's going to cost you your worldview. It's going to cost you what you think is right and wrong going to cost you a lot of time. It's going to cost you a lot of money. I'm just being real with you. It's going to cost you some friendships. It's going to cost you some jobs. It's going to cost you not having things. And ultimately, for every single person, it's going to cost you your life why Jesus says count the cost and for sadly and my heart just hurts there will be some all around the world who hear this and go nah not for me
Stay close to the Father this week. Stay close. Stay close to his word. Read his word. Cling to him at every turn. You won't regret it. That's all I have to say today. There's so much more. What we do here is not a game. Our worship is, is not a game. It's not something we check off in our week. This, this is so critically important, friends. This has everything to do with life as we know it and the life that is to come. And the life is waiting for you. This life of, of diving into this deep relationship with Jesus, it's waiting for you. And if you think you've got a lot, there's more. If you think you love God a lot, there's more. If you think you've seen God work, there's more. If you think you have peace, there's more. There's more and more and more of this God for you and for you and for you. Every single one of you. God has such good news that he will never leave us nor forsake us that he will pursue us relentlessly. And for a lot of you right now, he's pursuing you. And he will not stop until you take your last breath. So we're gonna go into worship. Worship's an interesting thing. We're gonna tackle this in a new series in the fall called Why? Nowhere else do you sing every week. At least I don't think so. Out, like out, not like your shower or something, but like you, do, you don't get together with friends for a sing-along. But you do at church, so it can be a little different. But not if we view ourselves singing to the God of all creation that offers us this promise that says, you can be new and I'm making you new. That's why you're here. Not one of you are here by mistake. Not one of you turned in by mistake. God wants to speak to you. He wants to love you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to say, I'm for you. I'm crazy about you. I love you. There's nothing you've ever done or nothing you ever will do that will stop my love pursuing you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he will not stop that love. Embrace that this morning doesn't matter what your month, what your year, what your week, what your day has been like. He loves you relentlessly. And it's a crazy love that we cannot even wrap our minds around. So let's pray. Would you please stand? God, our Father, we are eternally thankful for the word of God. For without it, how would we know who you are? For without the word of God, how would we know what your character is like? How would we know what makes you happy, what excites you, what makes you sad, whether we should turn to the right or to the left? And yet you've given us the word of God as direction, as hope, as encouragement, as strength. And as for this church, we will serve the Lord. We will pursue you. We will build community. We will teach and instruct and support one another. We will go through the highs and the lows together. 
we will rejoice and cry together, pursuing you relentlessly. We love you because you are the only thing on this planet and beyond that's worthy. And so as we get ready to worship, as we get ready to sing, as we get ready to contemplate the words that we sing, let us sing as though we've been set free. Let us sing as though our chains have been broken. To sing and to shout and to dwell on the truth that we say. And may every moment throughout this week help us to remain in you as you remain in us. To abide. It's in the strong and powerful name of Jesus that we've gathered, that we've prayed, that we've worshiped, that we've studied the scriptures. And we ask that we would be different because of that. God Almighty, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. It's in your name that